We're coming toward the end of our series entitled Living Well, based on the prologue of the book of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9. And tonight we get to the epilogue, chapter 9, of this prologue, the last word here of the prologue. And it all starts to come down to this one, one issue, which is what our word will be for tonight. If you've been with us over the last several weeks, you know that each time we've, we've approached these texts, we've approached them and focused on a word. And tonight the word is choose. Choose. And it's not so much that this word is, is right in this text, but it's very clearly what the epilogue, chapter 9, is pointing us toward. Because in chapter 9 of Proverbs 1 through 9, we have this two rival houses, two rival banquets being set up. One from Lady Wisdom, one from Dame Folly. And the, the kind of the thrust in this text is to get the young son to whom Proverbs 1 through 9 is written, in a sense representing all of humanity, male and female, and the choice between us, but before us, of choosing wisdom or choosing folly, to choose wisdom. That's the choice that's confronting this son in the book of Proverbs, and it's the choice that confronts you and it confronts me as a whole in our life and really on a day to day basis moment-by-moment basis even. Which one are we going to choose? This is, um, we didn't have a a New Testament reading outside of the gospel because I wanted us to hear Deuteronomy 30, which was read for us earlier. And, And it picks up this theme of choice very well. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. This choice that's put before the people of God just before they're to enter into the promised land. Life and death. In many ways, those same words could feature in the the prologue of Proverbs as we've looked at week after week, this choice between life and death, between wisdom and death. And folly, and the pleading of the father to the son, choose life. Choose life. So we're going to break this down just a little bit. Look at the choice, at the nature of what it means to choose, and then how we might make that choice. The choice simply is between wisdom and folly, between these two rival houses, these two rival feasts. And the portrait in Proverbs 9 shows us the complexity of the relationship between these two realities in the world. That is the complexity of the relationship between wisdom and folly. And here's why, they're, why it's complex. There are similarities between both appeals. A lot of similarities between verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 18. If you have your Bible, open up to Proverbs 9. Both wisdom and folly are at their house. Both are appealing to people to come in and enjoy their feast, their banquet. Interestingly, in verse 3, we read that, um, that Lady Wisdom calls from the highest places in the town, or really those servants that she sends out to be her mouthpiece, which, if you will, in Proverbs language, are the mother and father, the parents, go out into the town to the highest places to call out. Similarly, in verse 14... Dame Folly takes a seat on the highest places of the town. They occupy the same territory to make their appeal. And they do so 
as well with the exact same call. Verses 4 and 16 are identical with the exception of one word, which is a simple preposition, and. They're the same. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says. So wisdom first speaks these words. Folly speaks these words. And this similarity between wisdom and folly reveals the ambiguity of our world as we experience it as human beings. The complexity of the goods of the world. The ambiguity, the difficulty of knowing when is something good, when is something not good. And the fact and the need for discernment and really real wisdom in being able to make and discern that choice. And that's why so much of Proverbs is calling us to discernment. So there's a lot of similarities, but if we take a little bit of a closer look, there's obviously some pretty significant differences between the two. First, on wisdom's side. Wisdom, we read in verse 1, has built her house. Wisdom is portrayed here with industrious labor. Having worked hard to hewn her seven pillars, nobody really knows what the seven pillars mean. Most likely it's just a pretty big house. Um, But the fact of seven obviously has biblical significance as completion, perfection, order, which fits very well with wisdom and wisdom's connection to the creation, to Genesis 1 and 2, to the order of the cosmos. So wisdom is pictured here as having worked hard. It says in verse 2 that she slaughtered her beasts. She's mixed her wine and she set her table. She's put a lot of work and effort into the food that she's about to offer to the simple who are passing by. Slaughtering animals, most of us don't know much about that, but they did a lot in their culture. Mixing wine, probably putting in some spices and other things to make it more lively than your average wine. And setting her table. Working hard. And then she speaks with straight talk and appeals. She says in verses 5 and 6, Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. And this is where she gets really straightforward with us. Leave your simple ways and live. And walk in the way of insight. In other words, what wisdom says to those who are passing by her door is she says, if you want to follow me, if you want to come in and feast at my table, it requires you to turn, to do repentance, to walk out of one way of life and into another. Leave your simple ways. But then she says also, and proclaims the promise of this, and live. Everybody wants to live. Everybody's seeking to be happy. And wisdom speaks truthfully and in a straightforward fashion to us and says, look, if you want to live, leave your simple ways behind. Leave the ways that where you think you know what's right behind. Leave that simplicity behind you and join me. Come and follow my ways and walk on the way of insight. We'll come back to this idea of way in a moment. There's a cost. Part of what wisdom says, and this is really important for us today, is deny your urges and your appetites that are right in front of you. Be willing to set limits on what you think you want, on your desires. Leave these things behind. And choose a harder path. Jesus would call it a narrow road. Choose this way that leads to life. It's not the natural way. It's not the way that the whole current of the world is moving. But it's the way that leads where everybody wants to actually end up. But it requires you to do some kind of denial, some kind of constriction upon those sort of things that are raging inside of you, those wants, those needs, those desires, and to redirect them in a way that's consistent with the boundaries that God has placed into creation. Then there's folly. 
contrasted well with wisdom. Wisdom who's worked hard, prepared this meal. Folly, just on the other hand, it says in verse 14, well, first verse 13, she doesn't get a good reputation. She's seductive. Really, it means that she's gullibleness. And she knows nothing. We're getting set up here for the fact that folly obviously isn't going to speak any sense. Verse 14, we start to get that. It says, she sits at the door of her house. She hasn't done any work. She's just sitting there. There's nothing spoken about whether or not she's put any effort into this banquet that she's offering to those who come by. Folly is always infringing upon wisdom's territory. Evil is some kind of privation of good. It's never a thing in and of itself. It's always a deviation or distortion of the good order and creation that God has made. And folly trespasses on wisdom's beautiful territory. Props up in a house that's not her own. And then she calls by and seduces the passers-by to bogus goods. It's a work of seduction. If you look at the text, it's actually interesting that those in verse 15 that Folly speaks to are actually not set out to go and be evil or to go and be foolish. It says in verse 15 that she calls to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. These are sort of impressionable youth, as we looked at in the first sermon on this series, who are kind of set out on their way, a happy way, and then all of a sudden they see, or or they see something attractive on the side. And that's folly. They're seducing them off that straight path to feast on bogus goods or on the goods of creation inappropriately attained. And that's exactly what she's offering at her banquet table. Stolen water. Hidden bread. Devious, deviously attained goods which she really has no right to offer out of bounds goods illegitimate goods but she says whoever simple turn in here and to him who lacks sense stolen water is sweet bread eaten in secret is pleasant that's the seduction this will taste good this will go down smoothly this is really wonderful stuff that i'm offering to you. Van Leeuwen, who's a commentator on Proverbs, says this about folly. All sin, it would seem, and folly are temptations to acquire legitimate created goods, that is, sex, wealth, honor, power, by illegitimate means. Folly takes the goods and destroys their goodness by ripping them from their proper place in the coherence of things. She tears them down, the, she tears down the ordered human world that wisdom makes. Folly has not built her house. She has stolen it. A counterfeit offer. Backed up by... There you go. You're supposed to hear that, I suppose. A counterfeit offer backed up by, or supported by, duplicitous and deceptive speech. We heard what she says. She's stolen water, sweet, bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And that's where she stops. Right there at the level of your appetite. Come and feast at my table. Delight yourself in my stolen treasures. But if we read on, the epilogue states in the, in the, verse of the, in, in the voice of the editor here, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of shale. We've looked at this over the last several weeks. The fact that wisdom leads or that folly leads to death. 
And, but, but folly herself will never, ever tell you that. Remember one of the lies when we looked at avoid evil, that one of the lies is I can handle this. I can get away with a little bit. I'll just take a little bit here on this vacation or that work trip. I can take, just handle a little bit of this. We're never told the lie from folly. That the seduction never includes the fine print. Which is not so fine. It's more like glaring, bold, capital letters. This leads to death. This doesn't bless. This doesn't provide the life that you're looking for. But folly won't tell us. It's a half-truth. Just like it was back in the beginning, right? Remember what the serpent says to Eve? You shall surely not die. Always dividing folly and sin from its consequences. That's the way that it attracts us and seduces us. So the choice is between wisdom and folly, between life and death, between flourishing and pain and heartache. So what does it mean to make this choice then? What's the nature of this choice? And for that, I want to look at verse 6. It's where where wisdom said again, leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. I want to hone in on this idea of the way. Wisdom, rightfully, remember wisdom is speaking truthfully to us in Proverbs 9, says that you need to leave this one way, which is a path and a trajectory. One of the ways of reading this in a simplistic fashion, this, this kind of competing houses in Proverbs 9, would be to make the assumption that this is really just about a big choice that you have to make once and for all. You know, are you going to go into Wisdom's house and eat her feast? Or are you going to go into Folly's house and eat her feast? By the way, the feasts don't compare. One is meat and wine, the other is bread and water. It's quite an interesting point. But are you going to go in one or the other? Which, which choice are you going to make? But the reality is, and Wisdom knows this, is she's calling us onto a way. Which is to say that this is more about a trajectory of your life and of my life than it is about a single choice that we have made. Now, here's the way I would qualify that. That is to say that the single choices that we make become the habits that start to shape our lives in our direction. So that the way that we end up being on is not some kind of like major intersection that we tend to kind of get to and then decide, okay, I'm going to go on that way or that way. But it's more realistically, it's the sum total of the very little choices that we're making every minute of every day. Our little choices make a huge difference to our end in life. Proverbs is full of that lesson again and again and again. Here's how C.S. Lewis says it in Screwtape Letters. Through the voice of a demon. It does not matter how small the sins are provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. There's a lot of wisdom in those words, right? It's the little choices. It's not the big extreme issues. It's these little choices that begin to to determine the way that we are on. Proverbs 14, verse 8 says this, it says, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way. That is to discern the way in which the little choices that I'm making in my life, the kinds of friends that I choose, the people that I date, the stuff that I choose to look at on the internet, 
the movies that I watch, the, the inputs that I bring into my life, these little things, what I eat, whether or not I choose to exercise, all of these little things start to determine the course or my way. And, and the wisdom of the prudent is to discern their way. It's to begin to understand the nature of those choices that they're making in their lives and to move in a path in those little micro choices that start to set the course for the bigger picture of life. The way is really one's character, the, the character and context of one's life that is determined by the conduct of our life and the consequences associated with that conduct on a daily basis. So the nature of this choice, it isn't one big, it's, it's the little things that are moving us along this path. So how do we make this choice then? There's some clues in Proverbs 9 that I want to point to. The first thing to say is, is in Ecclusia with chapter 1 of Proverbs, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Making this choice for wisdom and her feast begins with acknowledging the reality of a God who made us, who loves us, and who upholds a moral order and structure and fabric to the world that brings about a certain kind of retribution at the end, that there are consequences to actions, and that there is a God who upholds an order that makes those things real. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Starting there. One of the ways that we choose the path of folly is because we think that we can do things in secret and without consequences. Psalm 94 is great on this front. It talks about the wicked who murder and who betray and who defeat the poor. And it says, the Lord does not see. He doesn't know what we're doing. And then the response of the psalmist to say, does not he who planted the ear hear? Does not he who planted the eye see? The fear of the Lord recognizes that God sees into the secret places of our lives where no one else can see, which begins to motivate us and, and encourage us to make the choices in the very little ways when we're behind closed doors and no one can see us that are putting us on the way of wisdom that leads to life. The fear of God as a beginning place. A second thing in terms of how to make this choice is considering the end of our choices from the beginning. It's interesting that there are three little six-verse poems in Proverbs 9. We've looked at the first and the last mostly. But each of them ends with the end. So wisdom says, leave, uh, leave your simple ways and live. At the end of the, the, the folly poem is the fact that they don't know that the dead are there. And at the end of the middle poem is, by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. That is, consider the end of the little choices that you're making in life today. And see the end of those things before you make those choices. And choose in accordance with what a good and wholesome and life-giving end will be. Look at the end. A third thing is to hear instruction. We spent a whole week on this, but I would just simply point to the fact that these two um, offers between the two houses are, are sandwiching this one poem about the, the wise person who hears rebuke and receives instruction. One way to help us choose life, to choose wisdom, is to be open deeply to hearing instruction. A fourth way is to be careful about your companions. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This is a verse we pull out often with our children right now. 
to talk about making wise choices in regards to your company, your friends. We are influenced, Proverbs teaches us, by those with whom we spend time. We make our companions. And a fifth way, I would say, is simply just to come to Jesus in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Augustine said that it's our disordered loves that lead to disordered reality. Folly is essentially disordered reality. It's the goods of creation taken out of order, out of bounds, out of place. Jesus came to deal with our disordered loves, to deal with us at the level of our heart, and to order again our loves in putting God first And to deal with the fact that each one of us has chosen a way that does lead to death. By going to death on our behalf. And as he does that and then we come to him and we choose him. He then comes and dwells in us by his spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the comforter, the guidance, the counselor. Comes and begins to guide us along the way. So that we're no longer left as slaves to our natural appetites and inclinations. But we're now guided by the power of God working inside of us to move along a path toward life and toward wisdom in the day to day. Finally, I just want to say a quick word of hope. If you're sitting here and you're feeling like you've walked upon the way of folly for a long time. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, the thousandth chance. It is never too late. Whatever you might be ashamed about in your life, in your past, in terms of little or big choices that you've made, it is never too late to turn and to choose this path of life. Never. Look at the Apostle Paul walking down a path of destroying the church, turning around by the grace of God to choose life. That story has been told countless times throughout human history. And God's invitation to us is to come into the light, to walk into the light, to renounce and to forsake the ways of folly with which we've been caught up in our lives, to confess and to forsake and to receive mercy. Proverbs 28, 13, the one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes it will receive mercy. Is a beautiful proverb to talk to all of us about moving toward this choice of life. God's invitation is to come, to live. Wisdom says, choose me. Jesus cries out and says, as Sam read, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from the pain and the discouragement and the heartache of folly. Rest that comes from finding your maker and finding that he is good and gracious and wholesome 
and speaks truthfully to you and lovingly to you, calling you and beckoning you to come to him, to feast at his table, to drink of his wine, to eat on his bread, which is not stolen, but which is duly earned and paid for at the cross, that you might live and live well in accordance with his creation, with his grace, with his wisdom. So our word tonight again is choose. What are you choosing? In the big things and the little things. Choose and keep choosing life. God longs to give it to us. Amen.